Welcome to the Seminary Support Podcast, where you will find help to start, finish, and get the most out of your seminary experience. I'm your host, Mark McElreath. We've got a great conversation for you today with Dr. Bill Galarakis. He's a pastor, he's a dear friend, he's got a great heart, just finished his Ph.D., in May, and worked very hard and very long to get that. That's in uh, New Testament studies, biblical studies in New Testament. And uh, he brings up some great practical advice for anyone in seminary. even talks about, specifically for those who maybe are coming into seminary and don't have a Bible background. That was him. And what that looked like, how he faced that, how the Lord helped him with that, So lots of great things in this conversation. I think you'll take a lot of nuggets with you and you'll enjoy it. So thank you for joining us and thank you so much for listening today. Our guest today has a PhD in Biblical Studies and New Testament from Piedmont International University. He's the pastor of the Columbia Road Baptist Church in North Olmsted, Ohio. That's just west of Cleveland. He's a former colleague at Crown College and he is my friend, Dr. Bill Galarakis. Welcome to Seminary Support. Mark, thank you so much for having me on. It's a, it's a pleasure. Thanks for, for reaching out, and we get a chance to reconnect. Well, I've been looking forward to it, and I hope you can just give our listeners a little idea of your seminary journey. And your journey began even before seminary. Maybe you can even go back and talk about there's a number of things the Lord has done in your life, directing and guiding you, I think that would be a an encouragement to some of the people listening. Absolutely. I remember driving away from Burger King when I decided that there was no God. It had nothing to do specifically with Burger King. It's just this moment that stands out in my mind with my friends in my teen years. And I had, I had slipped into atheism, and uh, I was a liberal activist, a gay rights activist in my high school, and I did not have a high opinion of Christianity. I didn't believe in a God. I had seen enough hypocrisy in people who claimed to be Christians that I didn't think that there was any truth to it. Mm. Well, a young lady invited me to go to church with her, and she was pretty enough where I would have gone anywhere with her had she asked me. And so I wound up at a Bible-preaching church. And it wasn't long until I had accepted Christ as my Savior. I had been shown that the Bible stood up to the scrutiny that I had put it through. And so I, I needed to have answers to my questions. Even all the way back then, I needed to know why. And so that kept me digging. Now, I was already on my way for a secular undergraduate degree, and it was halfway through my time there at Ohio State University that God called me into full-time Christian service. And so I didn't know if I was going to be a missionary or a pastor or what, but I knew that God had called me to train. So after my time at Ohio State, I graduated in 2006, and the Lord moved me and my new wife, the same young lady who invited me to church, uh, down to Knoxville, Tennessee, to study at Crown Seminary, and it wouldn't be too long until you and I would meet down there. Mm-hmm. And uh, I did my Master of Ministry and uh, my Master of Divinity down there, finishing up my Master of Divinity in 2009. I had a little stint there at Bob Jones uh, University during a summer linguistics program, a graduate level one there. And um, I had a lot to learn going into seminary. My background was secular. My undergraduate degrees were in computer and information science and Japanese language. And so Hmm. I was in seminary with all of these young men that had gone through a Bible undergraduate degree or a missions undergraduate degree. They were much better educated (laughs) than I was in all of the isms and ologies 
mm-hmm. the vocabulary. I remember sneaking up to our seminary colloquium speaker time and time again after class. I pretended during colloquium to know what was going on, and I'd sneak up to him afterwards. This is during my master of ministry. And I'd say, what is that? What is dispensationalism? <laughs> what is covenant theology? What mm-hmm. is? And I would have just pretended the whole time I was in there nodding my head, trying to keep down so no one not called on me and showed how ignorant I was. And I kept getting my responses from that, that teacher. Sometimes it was even the, the president of the seminary was in there, or, or of the college was in there. And he'd give me the name of an author and the title of a book. And so I'd come up and ask about this and I'd get assigned a book to read. And so I did a lot of catch up that mm. first year because I didn't have the Bible undergraduate degree to fall back on. But I also had a great joy in studying it because I was so excited about growing in my walk with God, about my call to ministry, and the idea that studying the Bible would be my homework, mm-hmm. I just couldn't imagine. Yeah. I really struggled finishing up my secular undergraduate degrees because I knew I was on my way to seminary and I thought, I'm never going to use this stuff. Well, God, of course, had other ideas than that. Mm -hmm. But it it was a joy to get into it and to study. And it wasn't always easy, but um, that that took me up until about 2009. You know, I, I would like for you to say a little more for those who are listening who say, you know, I have no Bible background. I have a, a secular bachelor's degree. You know, what word would you give to them to say, yes, you can do seminary and you should do seminary? Because, you know, you you had not even been saved for very long, really. Um, not all mm-hmm. that long, even going into seminary. So what word would you give to them? Maybe even a word of encouragement or a word of warning, maybe, <laughs> if they're thinking about that. So... If the the seminary that you're looking at has something like a Master of Ministry, which is usually like a a 30-credit-hour graduate degree, it's something that you would step into, and it's sort of a bridge between a secular undergraduate and a seminary graduate degree. It it prepared me for my Master of Divinity. I certainly couldn't have jumped into the deeper theology classes and history classes without some sort of background, Mm. without some frame of reference. So having a program like that was extremely helpful. And finding someone to mentor you through it that can help with your deficiencies is extremely important. There was a gentleman who helped with our seminary named John Kokenzi. And John is a missionary in Brazil as of the time of this recording. And he helped me tremendously, whether it was recommending resources, encouraging me, or at times holding my feet to the fire Mm -hmm. uh, with accountability in that sense. He was a huge help. So I would say... um, Get a mentor, someone who can help you with those areas that you don't know much about, but don't discount what God's already done in your life. You know, I had a, I had a secular education undergraduate-wise, but I had rigorous classes. I had to learn things like time management and how to do research and mm-hmm. uh, how to, you know, take apart a syllabus, plan out my semester, figure out when I need what done. All of that translates in one way or another into your seminary work. So don't, don't totally discount that. So what now, now all this is going on. Let me give some background. You're married. You have, I mean, 2009, you have one or two children by that point. Just one son at this time. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So family is growing. There's Mm -hmm. still a lot going on. You're in a very busy ministry, a lot going on in ministry. But when you say you got lazy, what do you mean by that? (laughs) 
Well, I had somebody prompting me to study, to write, to read, because I had deadlines for all of my classes in my MDiv. Well, what ended up happening was when I no longer had those deadlines, I took a breath of fresh air, as it were, mm. finished up in, you know, what would it have been, April or May. Uh, and then that summer and into that fall, I hardly read anything. I hardly studied anything. I did what I needed to do for ministry as far as the times I might preach or teach a class uh, at the undergraduate level, which is one of the things I was doing at that time. But I really wasn't doing a lot of study outside of that. Mm. And I, I think I have figured out that I need deadlines in my life in order right. to produce and to grow. That's just how I'm put together. I do great work under pressure. Mm -hmm. And I know people that can take a large project and break it off into bite-sized pieces and do it a little bit at a time. But I hadn't quite learned that skill yet. Mm -hmm. And so I knew that if I got back into my studies, I would, I would continue to grow if I had somebody prompting me, if I had deadlines in classes. So mm -hmm. that, that led me to start my PhD. There were other things going on at the time. The ministry that I was in, uh, the Bible college where I was teaching at Crown College, they were looking at becoming accredited uh, with an organization called Tracks. And one of the things they encouraged us to do as faculty members was to pursue our terminal degree. So there were a number of my colleagues there that were all starting to look at pursuing terminal degrees. And in fact, uh, two of my friends that were a little bit ahead of me in that were a semester or two ahead, and I heard where they were at, and I, they had good things to say about it, and so I started looking into Piedmont uh, Baptist College. It's, by the time I graduated, it had become Piedmont International University, and to just be even more confusing, uh, shortly after I graduated, it's become Carolina University. <laughs> right. So the, um, they absorbed some other seminaries and colleges throughout the time there, and they, they grew to be a little bit different in shape and sort. But all that being said, they were doing their PhDs. And so I said, you know what? I'd like to do that. My pastor gave me the go ahead, thought it was a good idea to keep moving forward with it. And so I, I started off just dabbling in a class here or there. And before I knew it, I was studying for my language exams and hmm. didn't pass those. It was, uh, it was not an easy thing because we Mm -hmm. We were in a busy ministry, as you said, but the Lord yeah. helped me through it. Now, for someone that may be considering, maybe they have some seminary training, they're considering a doctorate degree, and they're specifically mm -hmm. considering a PhD. That is, you know, maybe some people think, well, that's just the next step. It's just another, you know, thing. It's just the next thing to do. <laughs> uh, what What word yeah. would you give to them thinking about, considering taking that step. Now, first off, tell us, you know, how many credit hours, kind of even give us an idea, if you'd like, how long it took you to complete it. In the middle of this, you transitioned to another church and take a pastorate as well. So all that's going on. But some word to those thinking about taking that step toward a PhD. Okay. So I had a definite motivation as to why I was going to do it when I began. I was in an academic environment. I was teaching. I wanted to teach graduate level classes. I believed in the mission of the school where I was teaching and if they wanted to get accredited and I could help with a terminal degree, I wanted to do it. I still had questions that I wanted answered and I could study some of the nitty gritty details in that environment. Uh, I thought perhaps someday I would write 
I was dismayed oftentimes when I was teaching undergraduate classes at, at, um, at uh, Crown where I would look for a textbook for something, a certain class that I was teaching. And I couldn't find a textbook written by a like-minded person. And there were times I had to go outside of our theological doctrinal foundation and say, okay, now this book is good, students, except for chapters such and such and such and such. Or yeah. just be aware that this person holds these beliefs and they're different than ours. And that's not that big of a deal when you're studying in the graduate level. Of course, you read many, many people that differ than you. In, in your doctrine, and that's that's okay as you're grounded in it. But when you're dealing with undergraduate students, I really would have liked to have given them something stronger, and I felt like mm -hmm. even though maybe I wasn't burning with a passion to write, I felt that I, if I could, I should. And so I thought having a doctoral degree would teach me how to write, and also I know it sounds perhaps a little bit shallow, but some people would listen to me if I had gotten my doctorate that might not otherwise. One of the things I was doing at this time was working with uh, international students down at the University of Tennessee and with Bible studies and sharing Christ with them. And the vast majority of the people who God led me to were Chinese atheist scientists mm -hmm. that were curious about the Bible and were open for conversation. And God had brought them around the world to think about it from China all the way to Knoxville, Tennessee. That's quite the haul. And so they were people that respected education. They were either PhD students themselves or postdoctoral researchers. And so that crowd pushed me towards doing that. Mm -hmm. So those are some of the reasons why I thought I wanted to do that and why I wanted to get into it. I would say if you don't know why you would do it other than it's just the next step, I'd wait a little bit. Because you've got some decisions to make, right? Right? Am I going to do a PhD or am I going to do a doctorate of ministry? And if I am going to do a PhD or a doctorate of ministry, there may be paths within those degrees. And I need to know what I'm going after. Mm -hmm. Most of the scientists that I spoke with, when they started their doctoral work, they knew from the beginning of their PhD program exactly what their dissertation would be on. Now, they didn't have a committee yet. They didn't have approval for it yet, but they knew I'm going to work on this thing. And so anytime they got assigned a research paper in any of their PhD classes, they pointed it towards their dissertation. So by the time they wound up at their dissertation, they knew all the literature in that area. They knew all the major players, the major authors and scholars and researchers. They knew the, the core books. They knew what was controversial and, controversial and what was already cared for. And so they were honing like a funnel, getting more and more dialed in mm -hmm. on what their topic would be. So by the time they hit there at the end, you know, a, a young person may go off to do their undergraduate degree to sort of find themselves and they change their major many times and because yeah. they don't really know where they're headed. Boy, doing that at the PhD level could open yourself up to some real sorrow later on. Yeah. So I didn't know exactly where I would end up in my PhD studies. And it was still okay because by the time I figured it out, I still had a year or two left of classes that I could point myself there. Um, I am not the normal story as far as how long it took me to get through <laughs> my PhD. When I was at Crown and I was studying there before God called me up here to, to study or to serve as the pastor of Columbia Road Baptist Church, I was in a very regimented program. 
I knew how many times a semester I would be gone. It was a modified residential program, meaning that it was modules mostly where you do a bunch of reading and some presentations and then you'd show up for a week and you'd be in classroom eight to five with your professor and then you'd write a 40 page research paper or so, 30, 40 pages on a topic that you chose while you were there and then you did that twice a semester. Well, then we moved hmm. and ministry changed mm-hmm. and we had a fourth child and uh, I developed um, some health issues. And then I was feeling my way around, well, what's required of me in this new season of ministry? I was brought on as an assistant pastor for a couple of years with the intention that eventually the pastor was going to retire, which he did, but he wanted to have somebody ready who understood the heart of the church mm-hmm. and he could recommend them to be his successor. So for two or two and a half years or so, I was an assistant pastor and then we transitioned for about two years. And then I've been the, the senior pastor for about three now. And um, it it was a fantastic transition, but it was so very different than what I was used to. I wasn't in an academic environment anymore. I didn't have colleagues around me where we were talking about journal articles and the books that we were reading and the classes that we were taking and, hey, what are you writing right now? And I also wasn't teaching anymore, not in the collegiate sense. Mm -hmm. So my motivation for my PhD disappeared on me. And I let things go for a a longer period of time than I ought to have. I ended up having to take a class over again, which is the um, pretty much the class on how to write a dissertation Mm. because I had taken it and it was, I did not turn in the sample dissertation that I was supposed to at a certain amount of time. And so they made me take it again. And it was good that I took it again because the first time that I took it, something went terribly wrong. And the professor ended up in the hospital the first day of the module. And so then all the other faculty jumped in to help. The man was Dr. James Price from, um, where was he at? Tennessee Temple, I think, for a number of years. And he was in his 90s. And he just, after the first day, he wound up going to the hospital with internal bleeding. And they they all rushed around trying to get the module Mm -hmm. going together. And I just did not know what I was supposed to do. Mm -hmm. So... Fast forward through all of that, lack of motivation, change of circumstance, growing family. I, I got into a nasty cycle on, while I was working on my dissertation of I'm not doing as much as I ought to be, so I'm stressed. Mm. And because I'm stressed and anxious about it, I hide from it. Mm-hmm. But it was always following me around. Yeah, and that's that's a real mental battle. I mean, that's, it, is. it weighs on you. And even though those books are in the in your office, you don't see them. They're always following you around. Like, you know, yes. I got you always point, carry that. Yeah, I got to the point where when my committee chair would email me about something, and I'd see his name as the just in the the list of all of my emails, I would I would tense up. Because I thought, oh man, here we go. He's going to want to know an update and I haven't been diligent like I ought to have been. And it was just, a, it was a nasty cycle that went on. And I didn't have the greatest experience with my committee initially. Mm-hmm. Uh, a lot of that's probably communication problems on my part. My committee chair was brand new. He'd never chaired anyone's committee before. And we didn't really connect on the topic that I wanted to write on. 
he sort of had in his mind what he wanted, and I sort of had in my mind what I wanted, and I kept trying to show him that there was a good research paper to be written, a good contribution to be made going the route that I wanted. And I think he acquiesced to it, but he was never totally on board. And then mm. eventually uh, my committee chair dropped off and I had a new one come on. So there was some disruption through all of that. But God mm. worked in the midst of all of it. And I, mm. got, <laughs> I got two extensions, Mark. So what should have been a seven-year program at max took me almost 10 years. Mm. And that's the last extension I could get. Mm. And they're pretty much told me, hey, if you don't get it done, you're done. You, you mm. gave it a good shot. And at one point, I thought maybe it was better off that I didn't finish, that um, I thought maybe this was just beyond me and God was showing me my own limits and, and how it's important for me to uh, to know that I'm not perfect. See, I struggled with perfectionism. And so that kept me from writing too, because everything I wrote, I wanted it to be perfect. Mm -hmm. And as you know, from your own writing, writing is a series of revisions over and over and over again. Yeah. But I didn't write like that when I first went into my dissertation or into my PhD, I should say. Mm -hmm. I would do a ton of research. And then in three or four days, I would churn out nearly finished final draft copy work. You cannot do that with a dissertation. Mm -hmm. It's too big. Right. You have to learn how to write a little bit to throw something, I hate to say it, kind of bad down on paper mm -hmm. and then go back and rework it. Yeah. So it took me a long time, but I finally made it. I was just going to ask if you could speak a little more to how did you break that cycle then? You talked about, oh, I didn't want to hear from my committee chair. I didn't want to see his email. You know, could you speak to how did you break that? What made, what made the difference? Was there just something that clicked or I don't know. There were two things that happened. This has been a great conversation so far. We're going to cut it right there. Come back next week with part two of our conversation with Pastor Bill Gyrakis. Lots of helpful things already and lots more to come. Thank you for joining us this week. And, as always, please subscribe so you can get notified every time a new episode is launched and take a moment to leave us a review. That's a real help. Seminary support can be found in every major podcast player and platform. We're now on Amazon Music as well. Share today's episode with someone who you think would find it helpful. You can find me on Twitter at Mark McElroy Jr. And all our episodes are found at www.seminarysupport.com. Please send me your episode ideas or any feedback to the seminary podcast at gmail.com. Also, you can send me an audio message through the link that's given to you in the show notes. I'm your host, Mark McElreath, and remember, nothing will ever take the place of learning from the Lord Jesus Christ. He calls out, learn of me, and there's an open invitation to that classroom for all of us.